This is Fashion in Focus, the weekly New Zealand fashion podcast covering our creative world from a unique perspective. My name is India Leishman. And I'm Murray Bevan. And every week, we'll connect you with the leading designers, editors, influencers, and stylists from all over the world. If you love fashion, this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fashion in Focus, the weekly podcast covering the world of fashion from a unique perspective. My name is India Leishman and over the course of the next hour, I'll be giving you an up close and personal with one of the biggest names on the New Zealand and international fashion scene. On this episode, like every episode we do, the aim is to explore the modern fashion world from various angles, whether that's design, business, trends, social pressure, politics, media, celebrity or influence. Our guests will join us from all over the world and each of them will have something very special to share with you. Today I am delighted to be joined by the wonderfully talented Maggie Hewitt, the brains behind luxury fashion label Maggie Marilyn. Maggie Hewitt quickly became an it girl, not only for her extraordinarily bright and feminine designs, but equally for her leadership in the fight for sustainability in fashion. After graduating from Whitecliffe College's fashion school, Maggie launched her brand. It's rare for a young designer to come out of nowhere and create such a stir, but Maggie certainly did. The label was then picked up by Net-A-Porter in 2016 and since then has continued to thrive with the likes of the Duchess of Sussex, former First Lady Michelle Obama and many other celebrities wearing her designs. Maggie's journey towards running a circular business never stops. She is always looking for ways to better her brand and its impact on the planet. For her, producing beautiful clothing and being kind to the environment go hand in hand whether it's creating biodegradable packaging for her pieces to be transported in or carefully checking the standards of every raw material used in her clothes, her focus remains sharp. I was first introduced to Maggie when she was chosen as a panellist for a talk earlier this year. I was very curious about this go-getter girl who somehow managed to run a successful and profitable business, design unique collections and always present herself in such a measured but approachable way. I have found her to be intelligent, kind, ambitious, and I'm truly very excited to be having this conversation with her today. So a big welcome to you, Maggie. Thanks Thank for being you. here. Thank you. It's such a lovely intro. Aww. Thank you. Well, I just think the world of so you. So amazing. Yeah. I'm I mean, so excited to be here. It's so lovely such to have an you honor. here. Yeah. And I think, you know, when me and Murray were working through the people we... Um, wanted to interview on this podcast your name was like right at the top Aww, of the list we both think you. you have done such great things uh, for you. the fashion industry but just even for New Zealand women you're really quite a presence at the moment thank you no I'm so excited to be here love a good podcast yes exactly me too um all right so I guess we'll start off the conversation I mean this is the the obvious question it's you know where did the journey start for you yeah. um, because I think for a lot of people there's a bit of mystery surrounding how you have been so successful you are still so young can you sort of um, take me back to you know where it all began and how you've got to where you are now yeah sure well small town girl and from the Bay of Islands um, lived there till I was around 17 um, and then moved to Auckland to go to university. I went to Whitecliffe, um, where I did a fine arts degree and then majored in fashion. 
Um, I think I always knew that I wanted to be in the fashion industry and I get asked this quite a bit like why and I don't really know why. I mean growing up in such a small town where like fashion was just not even a conversation. I mean we didn't have any international stores. We barely got like international vogues to be honest. But um, my mum always dressed beautifully and made such a beautiful home for us and she was always creative. So I think um, there was just this real allure to me, you know, the idea of New York. Like I was such a Sex in the City fan growing up. And Same here. I yeah, think most people listening to this podcast Totally. So I was like, New York, I want to move there and I want to be this big designer. And yeah, it's just funny how these things just... Um, yeah, it, that's just the way it always was, really. So I set out to, um, yeah, do a fashion degree at Whitecliffe. Um, and it was actually, I, I, I don't think I've told this story before, but it's so funny in life how everything happens for a reason. I um, actually applied to AUT. I had, like, had my heart set on going to AUT, and I actually didn't get in. You're kidding. No, I didn't get in. And oh I, like, literally God. had, like, had really good grades at school. Like, I was a pretty diligent student. Um, and a few weeks before, I had just seen an advertisement in Fashion Quarterly for Whitecliffe, and I'd never heard of Whitecliffe before because I'm from Kerikeri, um, and it's a pretty small university. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe I should just apply in case I don't get into AUT. So I applied, not really wanting to go there um, and then not getting into AUT. So I went to Whitecliffe and I think I could have been such a different designer if I didn't go to Whitecliffe because sustainability was such a huge part of our course curriculum. Wow. Um, and I, I definitely think I, I had that bend to me a little bit anyway, but... I mean, yeah, Whitecliffe really pulled back like this very unglamorous curtain of what the fashion industry was responsible for. Um, And I wonder what it would have been like if I didn't learn that. Yeah. And I guess in that respect, I mean, you must be sort of grateful for those tutors, those lecturers, teachers, you know, at Absolutely. Yeah. Had such an amazing head of fashion, Belinda Watt, at Whitecliffe. And um, yeah, just I, I think they were so ahead of their time, really, because um sustainability then I don't even really think it was called sustainability to be honest when I first studied like five years ago it was more like eco fashion or something like that um and and I just coming from a small town I had absolutely no idea about like you know all the flaws in the current fashion system and you know all the people that fall through the cracks Mm. um in the manufacturing supply chain and how they're treated and the effect fashion has on the environment and um yeah, it's quite amazing, really, that I ended up going to that university. So It yeah. is quite interesting, I think, because, you know, often in life, perhaps things don't go the way you really want them yeah, to, or you have totally. this control plan, and you're like, oh, God, yeah. why didn't this work? Yeah. And then something else happens, and it yeah. sends you on a totally different path. I'm such a big believer in, like, having a little faith sometimes, you know, because I'd put in all the work that I needed to at school, mm-hmm. yet it still wasn't enough to get into a certain university. So it was just life's beautiful way of, like, pushing you down the right path path that you're supposed to go down which is I really AUT cool. has like massive regrets <laughs> now seeing you they're thinking oh we could have had her as our you know past student but anyway you win some you lose yeah, some I guess for sure um and it's interesting that you say that you always sort of felt you knew fashion was going to be a part because I was going to ask you was there a conscious moment or anything but it was just sort of more feeling that you you knew that's where your future would be yeah I mean there was like one moment I actually went to boarding school briefly for a year when I was 14 I came down to Auckland and I absolutely hated it so I went back 
back to Kirikiri. But when I was at boarding school, there was like a little newsstand, like 200 metres up the road. And after school, I would go up there and I would buy fashion magazines. And it was like the first time that I could buy international Vogues, like Italian Vogue and things that I hadn't really um, come across yet. And I think I was so unhappy at boarding school. It was such a beautiful escape for me. And I think I just thought, what a wonderful, like, you know, industry to be in that you can allow people to dream and inspire them. And so I think that's really where I thought to myself, oh, it sounds like, looks like a nice industry to be in, but boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Well, and that's so beautiful the way you put that, like it is this sort of escape land because I think for a lot of people, your clothing, um, and when you get to buy a really beautiful piece, it might not be the stuff you get to wear to work every single day, but when you get to buy really special pieces, it transforms you and it takes you somewhere else and lets you be another person. Yeah, it totally does. And I still to this day love that fashion can do that and still think that that's probably one of the most powerful things that fashion can do. Mm, Absolutely. Um, And you brought up your mother a little bit earlier as well Um, I guess I wanted to ask you about your relationship with her because she's someone that it appears like you look up to her um, that you guys are very close and she's also got incredible style I've seen photos of her and her beautiful beautiful. home and interiors and things do you think uh, you picked up a bit of a love for design from her influence yeah absolutely she has such an amazing creative flair and we're so close and she loves color like her house is even more colorful than the Maggie Marilyn collections if that's like even something you can imagine (laughs) and but yeah definitely I think growing up in a household where creativity was so fostered and um mum and dad just always allowed me to dream like I could really go out there and do absolutely anything and I think Now that I'm older, I realise how rare it is to have parents like that because coming from this tiny town, the top of the North Island, you know, in one of the most remote countries in the world, for them to tell me that I could be whoever I wanted to be and I could be a famous fashion designer if I wanted to, I think um, installed this real sense of, like, just I'm a dreamer, like, anything is possible so I feel really lucky for that it's that go-getter attitude eh? yeah pass it on and you just believe it and you know it totally action it they never shut it down they were never like oh Maggie like that's not gonna happen you know you're not gonna get stocked in the store or because I can remember um the first family trip that we did I think I was 19 and we went to Saks for Thav and I dreamed of being stocked there and never once did they say like that's not gonna happen like you should you know and set lower standards for yourself. I was like, yeah, Mags, definitely. Like, a couple years, you'll be there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's so special. Yeah, it um, is. And I do also, you know, get that vibe. You talk about you having a close relationship with your parents, but yeah. it also seems like you have quite a close relationship with your sisters. Yeah. I know that um, one of them works for... Is yeah. it just, just Sarah? Yeah, just Sarah yeah. works for me. Yeah, I have three younger sisters, which I think... Um, has had such an influence on me as a person, but also how I design the fact that I have a 14-year-old sister, a 17-year-old sister, and then um, Sarah's 20, and then I have my mum. We all kind of like hit these different age brackets and generations, and I think when I'm designing, I'm like, okay, my sister Coco, who's 14, how can I design something that her and her friends would love, or how can I design something that Kate, my sister who's 17, would love, and... Yeah, I think 
that really helps when I'm designing because I've always wanted to design for such like a broad demographic. It's never been a specific like I just want to design for 30 year olds or anything like that. So yeah. They've been very helpful. I guess also um, was it at all important to you to try and include I I guess your family in the business because you are someone who seems to have quite a tight knit team. So obviously having family they're going to be people you trust. Did you was that always um, something or did it just happen naturally? It kind of just happened naturally like we're such a close family we're each other's best friends and we hang out all the time so I'm just really blessed to have that support system because like business is tough you know you talk about like all the amazing things that the brand um that's happened to the brand which I'm so grateful for but like you know you have those days where you're like I don't want to get out of bed like it is so tough and Mm. I think people sometimes don't talk about that enough um so I couldn't do it without them absolutely and I mean I also get a very similar vibe from your team the number of times I've come into your offices they're all such lovely people um but it really seems to me like you hire smart people they're people who are really hard workers yeah they're super talented they're very loyal um and it does give off that very family vibe when you come into your your offices do you you. think um that having a smaller team has helped your business run more efficiently because you know if there's a problem you sort it out between a smaller group you don't have to call china or usa to you know fix the issue absolutely i think um yeah, I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have the team that I have, honestly. Like, they've been so instrumental in our success. And I think also that majority of the team are also in their mid-20s. There's this real sense of beautiful naivety that, like, anything is possible. You know, it's not like, oh, no, that's not the way you do things in fashion. You have to do it this way. Mm. There's none of that, which I think is so exciting and means we've been able to grow at the pace that we've grown at. Um, But yeah, I'm so lucky. And especially I think loyalty in this day and age, people move around jobs quite quickly. And I've been so lucky that, you know, everyone that works at MM, we talk about where MM will be in 10 years time and they still want to be part of that journey. So I I feel really grateful for that. Yeah, Yeah. that is so beautiful. And it's so rare, as you say. You don't feel like people are consistently sticking no, with, with the business for a very long time all. these days. So, um, so yeah, I'm You must really have harnessed and created a really beautiful environment, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I guess one of the key elements of your business, uh, and this is what most people know you for, is for your sustainability, for preaching it, for acting it, not just talking the talk, walking the walk. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of the reasons your brand is held also in such a high regard, particularly in New Zealand. Thank you. Obviously the beautiful clothes as well, that's, that's a given, but the fact that you can do that and not have a damaging impact on the planet that's huge yeah and I have always wanted to ask you this what led you to feel such a deep responsibility for the health of the planet where did that come from yeah I get asked this a bit as well and it's such an interesting question I guess like growing up in New Zealand growing up in a a rural town like has to has to have done you know and contributed to this sort of like deep appreciation that I have for nature and wanting to preserve it um but I think even growing up like I was always a little bit of an activist Mm. um I was pretty staunch in my beliefs my parents would probably say yeah um and then going to university and realizing you know I think one of my first lectures that I walked into in my first year was Nike sweatshops and I I just am not the type of person that can just sit there and then go home and put on my Nikes afterwards like I it just shocked me so much um this industry that had just gotten away with so much like it had gotten this free pass like just 
to be one of the most polluting industries in the world, all in the name of like making clothes, you know, it just seems so ridiculous to me. And I think um, I've always loved clothing and loved being creative, but at the same time really wanted to do something that like made a lasting positive impact um, on the planet. And I think, yeah, when I when I went to university and started to kind of uncover all of these things, there was just no way I could turn a blind eye. Mm. So definitely when I first graduated, um, I didn't really know if I wanted to stay in fashion, to be honest. Because I can um, imagine that would somewhat deter you seeing totally. that impact. Totally. be like, oh God, do I want to be a part of this world? It just seems so frivolous and... Um, yeah, you sometimes like at the time I just wondered what the point was and and how, you know, me at the bottom of the world could make some sort of an impact. And I, I didn't want to go and work for a designer and be part of the problem and not actually have enough say in how I wanted to run a business. So I guess that's when I just decided to start my own label. Mm. Um, very naively so, but I think that sometimes there's just something so beautiful and not knowing like all the twists and the turns you know the journey of where you're going to go because I think otherwise it would just be too hard and you wouldn't start and but yeah I I think when I first graduated um and I knew all of this you know about how how awful the fashion industry really is there was no clothing that I wanted to wear like I started to realize I can't buy clothes anymore like I can't be a consumer in the system that's so broken um And so I thought that there was a real gap in the market for clothing that I could afford, something that I could aspire to and save up for that wasn't, you know, a luxury brand. Um, But, you know, that was socially and environmentally responsible. Mm. So was that sort of, I guess, where the purpose, you know, has that created the purpose? Yeah. Looking out there, seeing that there wasn't really anyone doing what you are now yeah. doing because I think that is the tough thing for a lot of people it's um, you know you want to do the right thing for the planet but sometimes there are either like oh god the clothes are gross or oh, secondly totally. oh they're ridiculous expensive I can't yeah. afford that absolutely it was a fusion of the two um, for sure I think so the conversation has progressed so much in three years yeah. like even when I first launched um, you know, there was Stella McCartney, but even she wasn't really talking about sustainability in the way that she is now. It was very much like um, she was against animal cruelty and things like that. There really wasn't um, any brands that were doing anything remotely like what's available now. So, mm. yeah, it definitely felt like there was a bit of a gap in the market. And I mm. think any great business person, like, you know, looking sniffs ahead. that out, looking ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, and I guess when you look at things now, it's like you're obviously headed in the right direction because everyone else seems to be jumping on the yeah. sustainability bandwagon, um, which Not is great totally. if they're actually doing it rather than just saying, oh, we're sustainable, but, you know, we're it made is, in New Zealand. It's exciting how much the conversation has progressed because I can remember when we first started wholesaling to international stockists and you know, I would be so passionate about communicating our stories and our values and they just weren't interested at all. Like, I have some pretty um, blunt emails from some of the biggest stores in the world being like, we don't care about this. Really? Absolutely. Were you surprised by that when you got those? So, so surprised because I think when you first start, you are a bit naive to like commercial realities of running a business. So Mm. I can understand from a certain perspective, businesses who haven't had a sustainable business model um, built in from the get go, it's definitely going to affect your bottom line if you're going to have to change how you do things. Yeah. but yeah so that's where the hesitation it, it, probably comes from for so many of them totally but yeah it was 
it was pretty daunting at the beginning realizing that okay so I how do I not just continue to be part of the system that's so broken like yes I'm producing clothing in a better way but I we actually have to like systemically change how things are working and Mm. um yeah but now it's just so exciting because the conversation's just been amplified so much Mm. through so many amazing brands and um advocates out there so yeah it's exciting now everyone's getting on board with it for good or for bad that's good and I think it's interesting also you um you know talking about how you feel like oh people are getting on board I wonder whether uh, at any point for you, because uh, I don't see you as someone who would get frustrated. I just don't get that <laughs> sort of vibe off you. But it, oh, is do. it ever like, <laughs> let's say, challenging when you see brands that are sort of uh, really going out there saying that they're great, they're doing so much for the planet, but you actually know that at the end of the day they're still causing quite a bit of damage? How yeah. does that feel as a designer who really does care? Because, you know, at the mm. same time, you've designed clothes, but you've also really pursued a completely different yeah. business opportunity. It hasn't just been, you know, one thing or the other. You're doing both, and some others are just yeah. designing clothes and, you know, pretending, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I think the frustrating thing is that it it really confuses the customer. Greenwashing confuses the customer, and the customer holds all the power. So if they're confused and they don't really know what to look out for then how are we ever going to progress? You know, we see ourselves at Maggie Marilyn not just doing good in terms of how we manufacture and produce our clothes, but actually pushing the conversation forward and educating our customer. And we really try to use our website as a resource hub for come and, you know, learn about what are the best fabrics to buy into. You know, should you buy locally made? What does that mean? Um, and we even have like a dictionary on our website of like what do these words even mean if you hear about them from yeah. other brands. We really like dissect it down well, because even sustainability, like we we don't really want to call ourselves a sustainable brand, but the because no one is sustainable. But the irony is, I can remember for a time I was like so frustrated with the term sustainability because it's really a false, you know fashion like no one is there yet hopefully one day we will be there but we're certainly not there yet yeah um and so I I started to say we're like a socially and environmentally responsible brand so then people would say oh so you're not sustainable oh my god because the you know people that it's all the tricky terminology terminology like sustainability has become so synonymous with being a responsible brand so if you don't use that word people like get even more confused and I guess then people also think maybe you're trying to you know be cheeky and get around something you know there's so much confusion I guess around the language what would be your tips I guess if you can for people when they are shopping what are the things they should be looking out for or what would your advice be if you were going shopping in a store what would you look for yeah I mean I think the thing is Sometimes it's about shopping your values. What might be important to me might be different to what's important to you. And a stockist that we work with in Australia, they're called The Iconic. Um, And they've actually done an amazing job of segmenting how you shop by your values because you can't shop sustainably. Like that doesn't really exist unless you only buy secondhand clothing or you buy a brand that's fully circular and that doesn't exist yet. Um, so whether it's locally made, if that's something that's important to you or supporting local artisans, if that's important, or you decide I only want to 
wear natural fibers because I know that that will eventually biodegrade back into the soil. Mm. Um, or if it's, you know, you're buying gym gear, you say, okay, I'm only going to buy recycled polyester leggings or recycled nylon leggings. Um, so yeah, I think there's like little, little things that, that are simple, but again, goes back to your values of what's important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In the last year or so, you and me have had a, quite a few conversations about sustainability. Yeah, totally. Um, for those people, though, who perhaps haven't seen us at those talks or, you know, don't know much about what Maggie Marilyn does with yeah. sustainability, I would be surprised because, frankly, it's everywhere on your website. <laughs> you can go and read it all there, everybody. No, um, I can talk about it all day, every day, so we can talk about it. Very passionate. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. What would you say are the main things that Maggie Marilyn does to be sustainable? Well, it's been... A really interesting journey, to be honest, from when I graduated university and started Maggie Marilyn to where we are now as a business. I really thought that sustainability, when I first started, was heavily rooted in supply chains. So it was all to do with how we manufactured our garments. So ensuring that, um, and memo, traceability is not sustainability. Because I think lots of people think that if you know your supply chain, that you're sustainable, but that's not true at all. No. I mean, if your supply chain's still having a negative effect on the environment, but you know where it comes from, doesn't um, change it. Does doesn't it? really change it. And no. um, but you know, obviously, transparency. It, it all starts there because you can't improve your supply chain if you don't even understand it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we trace back to the source where our zips come from, where our buttons, all of our raw materials. Um, And then we obviously manufacture in New Zealand, apart from our knitwear being made in Italy. So we work really closely with all of our fabric suppliers and our manufacturers. And I think that's something to me when I first started that was so important, really, to bring back that, like, humanness to fashion. Um, You know, we have beers on a Friday with our fabric suppliers and, like, and, you know, we see, you know, I see our manufacturers all the time and I think... And that's something that actually brings me a lot of joy that we've kind of built this community that they feel like they're an extended family almost. Part of the group. And yeah, and then now, you know, at the beginning of the year, we wrote a sustainability strategy because we really as a team felt like we needed a roadmap to lead us for the next couple of years because there were so many things that we wanted to achieve. But in all honesty, when you're just trying to run a business, sometimes those just get pushed to the side. Mm. So we felt like if we wrote a strategy and published it on our website, it would hold us accountable to our stakeholders, our customers, our um, brand supporters. And so we're really, we're halfway through that. It's at the end of 2020 that the strategy will be completed. Hopefully we'll tick off all of our goals. Um, And one of the biggest things that I feel excited about is our journey towards circularity that kind of feels like a real giant step in the right direction in terms of sustainability um so our goal is that 50 percent of the collection will be from recycled or repurposed materials um so whether that's old maggie Marilyn garments that we actually repurpose into new collections um or fabric that's um actually recycled out of old um, garments that would have ended up in landfill and mm. um, so that's something I feel really excited about but also we're on our journey towards becoming carbon neutral and getting um, accredited with Enviromark which is um, yeah something that we're really excited about as well. There's literally so much stuff like you could just sit here and yeah, list it all off. There's there's so much um, you know and there's so much still to do like when we get to the end of 2020 we definitely won't be like oh we're 
you know, we're done. It's amazing. Like even now we're like, we've written the strategy and there's so many more things that we want to add to it, but we're just going to like stay focused on what we've written and then we can rewrite another one at the end of next year. You were talking about your goal for 2020. Yeah. Um, I guess that's, you know, only a few months away now. Is that yeah. tracking to be, you know, an achievable goal by that yeah, stage? Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Um, I think, yeah, when we first wrote it, we definitely felt like it was an ambitious goal, but I think it's good to kind of push yourself a bit out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we definitely feel pretty confident that we'll achieve it. Yeah. Fantastic. It's exciting, yeah. What are... The biggest difficulties of being sustainable because I know we've had this conversation a couple of times but I I always am baffled by this point because even things like minimums for fabric I remember you once telling me an example of saying it was something along the lines and correct me if I'm wrong but something like for you to get the minimum amount of sustainable denim you would have to um, make 7,000 metres it was 7,000 metres worth of fabric or something and it meant you would have a ridiculous amount of jeans and you're a small business Yeah. You're not even making that many pairs of yeah. jeans a season. Yeah. What are the, the barriers? What What's really challenging about sustainability? I think as well the thing that people don't really know is it's kind of like a bit chicken before the egg. Like in order to really innovate in the sustainability space, you kind of have to be a big player. But then we're trying to tell customers to reduce consumption. So it's a little bit, there's kind of two conflicting forces working against each other, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and really it comes down to the fact of like supply and demand there's not enough designers that are asking for sustainable fabrics and if there were more designers that wanted to use organic cotton the minimums would come down Mm -hmm. and so that's why like on our website we share all of our suppliers that we work with because we're like not about you know being secretive and wanting to keep all of our innovations to ourselves but really like putting our hand out there and offering everyone else to come along this journey with us because we certainly know that we can't do it on our own um but yeah you're right like the minimum for organic denim is 10,000 meters that's 7,000 pairs of jeans which you know a massive business might not even be doing that like say a reformation in the US they're huge they wouldn't be doing units that size so you know it's it's really difficult and it means that we work with a lot of really boutique mills, which is amazing, but it just means that the prices just skyrocket yeah. because of that. So if we were talking like, you know, a dress or a, a skirt uh, or just any piece really, how many units, ballpoint, would you be designing per per collection? I know that's probably a... Um, just to sort of give perspective to like the 7,000 jeans sort of thing. Yeah, we do about... Oh, God like 10,000 units a season but that's not like of a pair of pants it's of lots yeah, of different it's like pieces. lots of different styles yeah. yeah wow so it would maybe take us if we weren't growing it would take us like 2 or 3 years to to get to that point of using that denim um which you know you could outlay that cost if it's a denim that you want to use for future seasons but that's a huge cash flow thing as well yeah. to you to buy that much denim and hold on to it for 3 years so and a gamble because you don't know if people go oh you know what we actually have a blue denim now it's a year yeah um black denim or you know whatever yeah, it is it's absolutely. It'd be quite hard to know that i yeah. guess you could dye them actually you know but yeah um no there's you know there's so so many challenges um but I don't want that to deter people because um 
there's so many like small things that you can do like asking where your fabric comes from you know it might maybe you don't start off by using organic cotton or using piece silk or, or whatever but you at least ask the question and ensure that no one is negatively in- affected no person is negatively affected by um your supply chain so yeah I don't at all want to make you feel like I'm dwelling on the negatives no. of sustainability because I'm, I'm not and I think no I mean it's it's important to talk about the challenges because um, we're definitely not a brand that wants to appear like we have our head in the clouds and that yeah. everyone can come along this journey and that um, you know commerciality doesn't matter and your bottom line doesn't matter because we know that you know if we can't be commercially viable then we yeah, won't be here next year and then what are we even doing we're not even a part of the conversation so you know um making a positive impact in fashion and commercial like running a commercially viable business they have to interconnect like yeah. they have to and I guess I remember you once also saying and I'm not going to name the, the department store because I just won't do that to you but um I remember you saying that you're sort of held to the same regard as your competitors on that platform yeah um when it comes to price you know for an item yeah that must be quite challenging because yeah. obviously your stuff will cost more because it is yeah. you know made sustainably yeah um is that really frustrating or how it is fu- I mean definitely it? the conversation is becoming easier but even a couple of years ago when we first launched it was pretty frustrating because we we're in this um this area in the market called advanced contemporary it's more of like an overseas term but it's an incredibly competitive part of the market it's kind of like the little sister of designer clothing like if you think about the row proenza we're like the little sister in terms of price point um and it's a real sweet spot because it means that um you know a 50 year old woman can buy into our clothing and then also a 25 year old woman woman in their first job can save up and buy maggie marilyn Um, But what comes with that is being in a competitive marketplace is, you know, definitely wholesalers and customers are always expecting the prices to be lower and lower. Mm. And, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating when you're competing against other brands that are made in China and have no idea where their fabrics come from. Um, And we're made in New Zealand and completely know where everything comes from and try to, you know, use the best fabrics out there that are available um and yeah you so know we're trying to compete with the customer and that's really where again it comes down to educating the customer on what they're buying into so that we don't actually have to compete that they know um you know what what Maggie Marilyn's brand values are and that um yeah hope- well just I guess that they're they're open to it and they understand it because I think education yeah. is the biggest barrier to anything yeah, really. totally. Whether it's, you know, people voting in elections yeah. or buying, you know, yeah. um, sensibly or, yeah, you know, in absolutely. an environmentally conscious way. Um, I guess in that respect, do you think it's the customer's responsibility to ask more questions about, you know, where their clothes have come from or um, making more, you know, conscious choices or is it actually up to designers to present the solution and have more environmentally friendly clothing or is it a mix between the two? Yeah, I kind of like um, flip-flop between like my opinion on this one. I, I do actually think it comes down to designers being responsible because I think when you think about um, the organic food trend or um you know that was really ahead of its time in terms of fashions being quite slower um 
I don't think a customer would be expected to track the supply chain of buying like organic fruit you know I think it should just be like a stamp on your fruit and you know where it comes from and you know that you can trust in that um certification or standard or whatever and I really think the fashion industry has to get to that point where there's just like the standard where it's like A, B, C, D, F yeah. um, and you can decide what you want to buy into if you want to buy into an A brand or an F brand um, yeah. because I think right now it's just too confusing for the customer. There's too much conflicting information about out there about what sustainability is um, yeah it's a tricky one. It is. It definitely yeah. sounds it. It will be yeah. incredibly interesting to see, you know, to follow New Zealand, especially over the next 10 years, because I yeah. think we pride ourselves on being such a clean, green planet. Uh, not planet, sorry. Yeah. A clean, green. Yeah. Been yeah. waking up at 3.30, everybody on the breakfast I'm on the Aww. breakfast show, so I'm sorry my words are no, a bit jumbled. No, you're fine. Um, but I guess, you know, that is the thing. We do pride ourselves on yeah. being clean and green. Yeah, And totally. I guess some of the realities we've seen, even in the last yeah. year or so with our waterways, you know, yeah. we're not actually we're what not we to be yeah so that facade has sort of yeah gone away totally and it's really changing consumer psychology that you actually can't buy a new dress every Friday night and then just dispose of it after one wear like we have to get to that point as consumers where um we buy a few beautiful things every year that we feel so confident in and happy with Mm. um because consumption like has to be reduced really you know we can't actually keep consuming at this pace whether or not H&M thinks they can be a fully circular brand um still fundamentally the problem is in like you know the numbers and the consumption and it's interesting that you say you know it's all the changing mentality of you know yes it's just one dress I'll buy on a Friday night where once and I remember doing that yeah. at uni oh, you know I'd be too. like oh yeah absolutely got my I Friday was, outfit I was sorted. not above that either like I, te- I, I remember like the first time I went to London, I think, and going into Zara, and I was like, this is amazing. You, you just know? go berserk. <laughs> you literally go berserk. But So I get it. I've been there. But I think once you know, like, the dark side, like, we have to find some sort of way, I guess, at, like, pulling at consumers' heartstrings mm. and realising that, like, it it's not always about how much money you make in a wealth thing as opposed to, like, consumption. Yeah. You know, if you can afford to buy... 100 things a year from H&M then you actually can afford to buy a Maggie Marilyn garment because yeah. you can just afford to buy less yeah exactly um, so I feel yeah. I felt that way actually I bought one of my first pieces off you earlier this year and it was the Jones dress which yes. I just love that dress I just so feel like good. if I die bury me in that dress I just adore it and hopefully I eventually it. it will you know such a good dress biodegrade yeah um, but I and I remember thinking that and it was the last time we spoke and I was sitting there this is at fashion week yeah and I was just listening to it and I thought, God, it's such a good, you know, way to live life. Buy really beautiful things, but yeah. you don't need to buy excess amounts of them. Just have really beautiful, good quality things that you know you're making responsible decision. Yeah. And I was really, and I think you've been a, um, a big campaigner for for getting people to think that way because, yeah. you know, if you're a girl who loves clothes and you yeah. want to wear beautiful things, you don't want to have to go without. No, so, and you don't have to. I think that's something that we're such a huge advocate for. Like, we're not trying to tell women to stop buying beautiful things. It's yeah. just um, ask more questions, buy less. And I also think it's like, oh, my gosh, takes out so much of the drama of getting ready in the morning if your yes. wardrobe is, like, this big as yeah. opposed to, like, this big. Yeah. And you just have, like, a, a beautiful blazer 
key dresses that you always know you look good in, like a great skirt, great pair of pants, like then it's so easy to get dressed. Like, you know, you don't even have, it's a no-brainer. And every day you walk out of the house looking good and people will go, oh, she looks very nice. You're like, yes, I do. Yeah, exactly. And and not being embarrassed by wearing the same blazer three times a week. Like, no one actually cares. No, I know. It's so funny. You get caught up in all that stuff and and at the end of the day, it just means nothing. Yeah. Um, Okay, I want to change the conversation completely from the direction of sustainability. Sure. Um, very recently, you graced the cover of Elle Australia. Yeah. What was that like? It must have been pretty unusual being on that side of the camera. Quite different for yeah. you. Yeah. No, amazing. I mean, such a huge honour. Um, but yeah, I'm def- I'm pretty camera shy. Like, you don't really see me that much over the Instagram feed. I kind of like this idea of being a bit more anonymous. Like, Maggie Marilyn becomes so much more than me, the person, but a brand that's hopefully, you know, going to change the world. Um, so yeah, it's a bit weird looking at myself like that, to be honest. They were beautiful photos, though. I thought Thank you looked you. really stunning. And Thank there were some you. other designers in that group, weren't there? Yeah, so that's yeah, kind of special. Yeah, it was like the owl list. I think they do it every year. Um, like movers and shakers type thing. So yeah, it was a huge honour. Do you get that a lot? People being like, there's that go-getter girl or she's a mover and a shaker or she's on the you know the top woman list. Do you feel like people know. are... Pro- you no, know, I honestly feel like I just live in my own bubble yeah. and I'm so focused on like what we're doing at Maggie Marilyn. Like not in an arrogant way, but I'm never really looking at our competitors or turning around. Like I'm just so focused on what we're doing um, that... Yeah, all the other stuff doesn't really affect me. Yeah. It's very interesting that you say that because I often hear successful people speaking, you know, TED Talks or, you know, at university graduations and they always say, focus on yourself. If you're looking straight ahead and focusing on you, you're not worrying about what's going on the right and left. The energy that it takes, you know, like, you know, when you like did cross country at school and your parents like the energy it takes to look behind you, they're going to like overtake you. And I think it's so true. You really, not that you can live under a rock and not know what's going on you know socially and politically and where the world's at but I just think um yeah I'm so focused on that sometimes when um I realize that you know someone from Invercargill might buy Maggie Marilyn and I realize that they know who we are I'm like so shocked you know I think I'm still so shocked that the brand has that reach yeah Yeah. oh well no it's doing very very well for itself thank you um and another question I had for you was to for you if you can to tell us a little bit about that fabulous suit you did for Michelle Obama. Yeah. That is, must have been a huge honor. What was that moment oh, like? And such was it an honor. Well, we, made we yeah we custom made the suit for her. I think it must have been in like February this year. So I'd almost forgotten that we made her a suit, to be honest. Like yeah. my dad was so excited because <laughs> we both read the book and he would ask me about it every day for about four months. And then it just got to the point where it didn't happen. So I'd yeah. kind of forgotten about it. Um, so it was such a nice surprise that she wore it because obviously with all this sort of thing, it was the same with, you know, when we dressed the Duchess of Sussex, like, Um, We knew we'd obviously sent her a dress but had no idea if she was going to wear it, if it fitted her properly and um, yeah, Michelle is like such a beautiful, tall, elegant woman but we like had these pair of pants um, and George, you know, who works for us, he like had lifted them, they were like up to his chest and he was like to our pattern maker Rod, oh Rod, you've made a big mistake here. (laughs) He was like, these are not going to fit her, like her legs are not this this long and Rod's like, no, it's the measurements, like we had these really specific measurements but they fitted her perfectly, like she's just beautifully tall, yeah. 
Wow. Which is amazing. We were all kind of looking at the proportions like this. We were like, this is not She can't be that tall. She is. Yeah, but she (laughs) is. But yeah, it was um, such an amazing moment and couldn't really think of anyone um, you know, more incredible to dress. Yeah. Yeah. She's huge. a huge inspiration and definitely after reading her book, you know, she's incredible. Absolutely. How does yeah. something like that come about? Do they approach you? Because this is more me thinking for people yeah. listening at home. They'd be like, yeah. how does something like that even happen? Do they it, just. It was pretty organic, to be honest. I met her stylist a couple of years ago. We um, held a dinner with Saks um, and I met her stylist and. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know who she was at the time. And I was like, oh, hi, how are you? Like, what do you do? She's like, I'm a stylist. I'm like, oh, cool. Who who do you style? She said, I'm Michelle Obama. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> instant nerves. I yeah, like, gotta find instant the tummy. nerves. But she's, her stylist is the most lovely person ever. She's been such a great brand supporter. Um, so we've been meaning to do something ever since then. And then we made the suit for her book tour. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's um, pretty exciting. What does it feel like when you see that a big name is either wearing your clothes or has made an order? Because you have had so many celebrities now. Thank you're you. you're frequently your clothes are frequently worn by them. Um, them, I should say. And obviously Michelle Obama, the Duchess of Sussex, they're gonna be, you know, leaders you're pretty excited about. But what yeah. about, you know, Hollywood? Is there is there any excitement there or is it more the I mean yes, it's definitely so incredible when you get you know, a stylist reaches out or even like we've dressed Kylie Jenner and she's obviously just bought it from a store, which is really exciting as well. But um, yeah, it's all amazing. But honestly, like I say this so often, I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> when someone walks down the street that is a complete stranger that's wearing Maggie Marilyn, it, I get more joy from that, to be honest. Really? And I don't mean to sound ungrateful because there's so many no, incredible don't. women that have worn the product, but like someone who's like parted with their like hard-earned cash, yes. knows about the brand, has sought us out and bought something, it still shocks me. Like I'm still that naive girl sometimes like at 21 starting her own label and shocked that someone wants to buy the product yeah. it's incredible to me that I understand what you mean but I'm just like oh I just I love your clothes so much that I'm Thank like you. I would just throw all my money out the door Thank for, you. for your clothes yeah it's just yeah when I walk you know when I'll be in New York and I'll see someone in it or I'll walk down Ponsonby Road or yeah. Yeah, it's just Do you even go off and say, like, it's my dress or anything? No, like I'm so shy. Yeah. Like, usually if I'm with my team or my family, they'll, like, push me. But I'm so shy, I'll kind of just be anonymous. Yeah. But, yeah, I love it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I guess if you had any pinch-me moments over the years where you've stopped and just taken a second and realised all of the success that you have earned for yourself, have there been any sort of standout moments like that? Because you've been going now for a wee while. Yeah. Still, you're, you're still relatively young. I just yeah. mean you've had enough of a journey. Um, good question. I mean, there's been so many moments. Like, you know, definitely being the first first season designer to be picked up by Netta Porte. I think at the time I didn't really realise how crazy that was because to me I was like, cool, they picked us up. But now I look back and I realise how that doesn't really happen to young brands. You know, some brands will be going for five years before they get picked up by a major retailer. Mm. Um, And the fact that we were in, you know, the likes of Selfridges and Bergdorf's and Saks and some of the biggest stores in the world in the first six months that we were going, I think still that, like, amazes me. Yeah, it's pretty surreal. Um, but yeah, pinch me moments. I think I love 
you know, how, you know, there's so many bad things about Instagram, but the good thing I love about it is how it's such a connector of like all these customers that we have around the world that will tag when they wear the product and you kind of like um, get to see all these women wearing Maggie Marilyn and incorporating into their lives. I think that is just like such a dream come true, really. Um, and they're all so different as well. I think so different. Cool. You know, we have customers in the Middle East and Europe and Asia and America. You know, it's incredible to, to, I guess, we were a global brand from the beginning. So that still seems pretty surreal. Mm. Um, but yeah, all the incredible people that have worn the product. But honestly, I think when you're just, um, you know, so focused on your journey and, and there are just there's so many tough days intertwined in the really good days. So I know that sounds a little bit ungrateful, but sometimes, you know, a few bad days don't make up for one good day, yeah. you know, yeah. that like businesses. That is the same with every job, isn't yeah, it? Like no one's sitting at their desk every day going, oh my God, I love my job. Yeah, totally. And you have days where you're like, oh, I'm throwing and, in the towel, And then you know? your friend might say to you, oh my gosh, it sounds like you have the most incredible job. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I do have quite a yeah. good job, you know? But like they don't see all those like hard times, you know? So um, business is definitely like that, you know? I'm I'm young and I have so much more to learn and, um, you know, so much that we want to do. I think, you know, I spoke a little bit about like what success really means to us at Maggie Marilyn at our fashion show that we did. Mm. Um, earlier this year and yeah I still yeah we have a lot to tick off still yeah yeah there were actually you've just gone off in two directions and I'm like which one do I pick <laughs> I guess quickly you said um you know there are days where it isn't as glamorous obviously yeah. you are in a role where you get to travel quite a lot yeah um but you're always working you're a business woman so yeah. you're always going to be busy off. yeah what are the realities of you know traveling so much uh, you're in New York and London is it as glamorous as it looks absolutely not it's yeah it's tough and I'm like I talked about earlier like I'm such a homebody I love being with my family and my friends so you know sometimes when you travel a lot you like miss out on like fundamental milestones sometimes in your life which is is tough you're not there for birthdays or for events and things like that but um I but you know you just have to count your blessings like it's amazing that I get to go to Paris and New York you know, so many times a year and um, meet such incredibly inspiring people and, um, yeah, And there will always be time for, and I don't mean this in a, like, push family to the sideway, but family will always be there and there's this, you know, incredible moment in your life right now where you're just skyrocketing and you just got to hold on and go for it. totally. Yeah, Yeah. and I definitely would feel so much more anxious if I was sitting at home, like, twiddling my thumbs, wondering how I was going to sell my product to the world. So being busy is good, that's for sure. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned just before your show, your first show, I should say, at New Zealand Fashion Week. Yeah. To set the scene for the listeners who weren't there, the runway uh, had beautiful grass, little daisies sprouting up, surrounding the audience with all these lovely citrus trees. Up above were pieces from your past collections hanging from washing lines. And the entire show felt very healthy, fresh and natural. Those aren't really common words uh, <laughs> that are used to describe a fashion show, but somehow yeah. like you... You, you made it work so Thank I guess you. why was it so important for you to showcase a collection in such a beautiful outdoor um, and natural environment does it just align with the brand or I think so I mean I think even though um, we're this growing international brand there's this real sense of like grassroots humbleness that I guess we always want to keep and um, when we first thought about showing at New Zealand Fashion Week we really wanted it to feel 
like you were coming home like it was like a classic New Zealand backyard like maybe a little bit more like um exaggerated than that but um yeah and I I think there was something beautiful in you know the washing line having you know past seasons and like celebrating past seasons so that people that had bought those pieces or from those collections still felt excited by that that we still felt proud of those collections because there's you know such a thing in fashion obviously it's like out with the old and with the new last season Yeah, yeah and we're really not about that we're about like um you know adding to each season like it's you know chapters in a book and it's, you know, creating this really beautiful wardrobe for our customer. Um, but, yeah, it was such a, an amazing day and moment for the brand to kind of share what we do internationally with friends and family here. I think it was really nice. And, um, yeah, it was just definitely such a team effort. Like, George and Carissa, um, you know, from our team were picking daisies, like, two hours before the show. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. And we're, like, hand-placing them on the grass. And It's such and a gentle touch, isn't it? such, like, it? a labour of love, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, it came, it came off well, which is exciting. And I guess, you know, we're talking of your past collections. I wanted to ask you about how you keep a consistent flow between collections um, yeah. to sort of ensure that, you know, the pieces are in line with the Maggie Marilyn aesthetic so that, yeah. you know, customers are going to love them. Yeah. Um, are there certain features or, you know, fabrics because you've always done a lot of ruffles yeah. or, you know, your knitwear has been kind of a staple throughout the collections. Yeah. How do you keep things consistently flowing? It's definitely a challenge, to be honest. I think as well, starting the brand when I was so young and growing as a woman and knowing that, like, your style evolves, you know, and trying to stay true to... um you know the the brand image that we've built you know sometimes is a real challenge and there's definitely moments where we like get it right and we get it really wrong to be honest like there's definitely been times where I've had a collection and it's sat in Paris and buyers have been like you know they'll still support us and buy into it but this is not really like the direction that we wanted it to go in or this doesn't really feel that Maggie Marilyn and you kind of have to take a step back and reassess so creatively like um you know it's always a bit of a journey yeah. learning you know what does really well for our customer what doesn't do well like surprisingly our blazers are like our best selling category mm-hmm. um which is interesting because they're the most expensive piece but people really love them and um see them as um a piece that they'll have in their wardrobe forever which is exciting um but yeah it's it's such a balance of staying true to who you are progressing whilst not staying um you know not Staying in the same space. Staying in the same space, not being too influenced by trends, yet still feeling like it's of the moment. Like, it's difficult, that's for sure. When you talk about, you know, having collections that perhaps haven't been as much of a hit as other ones. Yeah. um, Has that just been, you know, like what's led to those collections for maybe not being as popular? Did you maybe verge away from really cool Maggie Marilyn I think it's such a mood thing for me which I have to be really careful of like I'm so affected by my mood when I'm designing like the headspace that I'm in if I'm not in a good headspace um no it's kind of conflicting because some I've actually produced one of my best collections when I was in a really bad headspace which is quite interesting and but yeah. That is so interesting. I would never have thought mood comes into it. Yeah, it but really, I've never designed it, clothes, it so does. I does. Like you know, if I've I usually go up north to design, and maybe um, if I've gone up, and it's a Monday, and I've got a really bad email about something, or someone's called me about a problem, like that definitely affects my headspace. Mm. And um, but yeah, it's 
after each collection is completed, I honestly feel like I could never design again. Yeah. Like you, it's you, exhausting. You get to the point where you're like, I have nothing. I don't know if I can even do it again. And so I will start a new collection and I'll be so anxious. But it always like flows and it always comes. But it's so interesting, like the creative process. Um, yeah, I think people think that it's easy. Like it just, I just like whip out these designs yeah. and I like throw it out there and it's super simple. But is it um, quite technical, you know, like, do you, does it come to you in a vision or like, wow, that would be a really cool piece or I'd love to own something like that, so I'll create it's, it? Or it's is different it? every time. Sometimes it's really heavily in a colour palette, like, um, you know, I'm really influenced by nature, like the season that's um, just about to come out, it... Um, I was really inspired by like these amazing sunsets that we get at my parents' house up north, like this ombre of like hot pink and um, orange. And so we did um, this sort of like a sunset print and that's where the collection like started and then everything else kind of falls in around that. Or um, yeah, sometimes it's, I'm really inspired by fabric innovation that we've been working on or um, a fabric manipulation that I'm working on and you just sort of a ruffle, you know, for season seven. We had like a knotted sleeve and that kind of like really centered the whole collection. So yeah, there's, I'm, I'm kind of like a a haphazard designer. I don't really have like a system every time. It's really different. Um, but I think, you know, being a brand that is so focused on sustainability, it definitely has to be a fusion of the two. I can't really design to my heart's content and then try and make our values fit what I want to design into. Like we don't do glittery fabric, we don't do sequins because we haven't found fabrics yet that don't require like virgin plastic. Mm. Um, so there's definitely things that we can't use and um, that we're always growing and trying to innovate in that space. So, yeah. I, I imagine if they even make a sustainable sequin, you'll be the first to know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm so like in for a blingy dress. I'm yeah. like, come on. <laughs> Someone do it. Yeah. Um, so I guess you say like you can find inspiration from anything. So it's not, it, it, you know, is it more the nature stuff or is it, do you have like a muse or does it really just come from, from anywhere? It comes from anywhere. Like sometimes, um, like for the collection that we showed at Fashion Week, I was like on this Meg Ryan, like I was just like obsessed with her. I watched all of her movies and um, I don't know if you've seen the film Kate and Leopold. Yes. Yeah, and she wears that black dress, like, when she's having dinner with him on the rooftop, and, like, it inspired this black dress, and then everything, like, fell in around that. It's quite crazy, whereas sometimes it's totally not a film that inspires it. Maybe it's a certain artist that I've come across that I really love. Like, I obviously went to, like, a fine arts-based university, so that was really, like, heavily rooted in how I learned to be a designer and gaining where you gain inspiration from. Um, So, yeah, it's always different. Do you have a favourite piece full time? That I've ever designed? Yeah, yeah definitely. Our, um, we have this blazer called I Lead From The Heart and it has like a little ruffle around the neck. I love that blazer. Yeah, and we redid it for season nine. I'm and hoping it, you'll do it in pink yeah, one day. I'm I just know, like waiting for that. Have to. <laughs> just um, for me, please. Just do one special one yeah. for me. I'll be very oh, happy. I will. <laughs> and pink is a good idea. I don't know why I didn't think of that. But um, yeah, we first did it in season four and it's, like the piece I wear the most in my wardrobe like you know I did it two and a half years ago and I still wear that blazer maybe two or three times a week like I really gravitate towards it because it's like a little something different but um has a bit of a boyish charm it's like more of a boyish sort of a fit but then has a ruffle and it looks great with denim jeans and a t-shirt or great with a dress or 
and very universal isn't it yeah I'm a real blazer and pants girl so yeah that's definitely my favorite piece very nice yeah and this might be a more negative one but is there any piece that you have designed that you're like oh no in hindsight oh, I don't love it absolutely yeah. like I know I probably shouldn't say that there's been a, a brand that you know uh, it's honest though I appreciate that and I designed yeah these yellow pants in season four and they looked beautiful in the lookbook and I kind of styled it with the shirt dress and like the look itself was cool but I die to think of people wearing those yellow oh, really? pants <laughs> yeah sorry for anyone who bought them and um, but yeah it's so funny like you sometimes design to your heart's content and you realize that's not that commercial like I don't know if anyone's really gonna wear a bright yellow pant walking down the street so yeah. It was an interesting sort of transition graduating from university where you're told to be like so avant-garde and designed to your heart's content to then getting to the point where you're like, who is actually our customer and is she going to wear that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for a long time, I felt like New Zealand Fashion Week had become quite grungy. Uh, it seemed as though everyone was wearing a lot of black and everything was quite heavy and oversized. But obviously, I'm, you know, anyone who knows me, I'm quite short, I'm quite petite, um, and I love a lot of colour. So that, that trend never particularly inspired me. Yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden, you came along and you have these designs that, you know, they just started popping up. They're beautiful yet quite simple clothes at the same time, but they have always made me feel very excited and really happy. Um, And I really mean this genuinely. It felt to me like you brought femininity and colour back to New Zealand fashion because it did feel quite absent for a while. And I know we've had, you know, there's been Trilise Cooper and she's sort of had a consistent theme, but I often felt like her clothes were tailored to a different age group to me. Um, And so it often felt like there wasn't really anywhere to go yeah um until your stuff came along and I I guess I just wanted to ask you if at any point you had felt I don't know nervous at all about putting your designs out there because they were so different to everything else all the black that was being hung on um on racks and stores in New Zealand did that ever come into it or were you really just looking globally I mean it's so weird like all the things that I think about now when I first started that that would be a consideration now if I started MM. But when I first started, I was just so, like, naively optimistic. Isn't that beautiful, though? But just... there's, like, it, it definitely wasn't coming from an arrogant place at all. It was just that, like, I really felt like everything was going to be okay. Like, I've always just been an optimist at heart because I think um, you kind of have to be a little bit in this industry. But I love colour. I love the way... It makes you feel, and I I think I love the way it really lifts people's complexions. If people put on a colour that suits them, they look a million bucks, like, you know, as opposed to wearing black. I mean, I love black. I I think, you know, it obviously is such a grounding colour, but I think um, sometimes there's those days where if you put on, like, a bright peach blazer or an orange dress um, and, like, a bit of lipstick, that's, like, all you need to do, you know? You're, like, set to go, so... um, yeah, and I think that's really attributed to our success internationally, to be honest. Like, people love our colour, um, probably more so maybe than they do in New Zealand. I think New Zealanders and Australians are still pretty conservative. They love neutral, eh? Kiwis and Aussies love Definitely. a little neutral colour. They love a beige yeah. and a black. A yeah. Which, hey, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But um, internationally, like, people aren't afraid of colour in America or in Europe, so... Um, yeah, that's great for us. You just always, I guess, knew that'd be part of your yeah, yeah. Um, now this is again a bit of a changing topic. I sure. want to guess ask you a little bit about how you managed to balance a good work life 
because you know working life schedule because yeah. you know I have a partner and he runs a business and I see man how busy he is and you have this even bigger business and I thank god how do you do it oh it's tough I mean I have not figured it out yet so if anyone has I would love to speak to them yeah um work-life balance for dummies or something yeah, yeah. but I feel like I, I love what I do so much and I'm so obsessed with it that it doesn't always feel like work to me and um, I'm just lucky that I have an amazing family and friends and um, yeah I think taking those afternoons like I love going to the beach and like love being in amongst nature whether it's like going out to Pihar and taking my dog for a walk or yeah. things like that really help my state of mind um, I actually like only started working out this year for the first time in my life yeah. I like hate I used to hate exercise I was like, it'll never ever be me yeah <laughs> um but I thought to myself like work-life balance and yeah. I like have been doing Pilates and I actually think that's helped so much because it's like an hour out of my day where like I can't think about anything else because I'm yeah. in so much pain yeah <laughs> so it's like you have to just think about what you're doing like the task at hand yeah and that's actually like pretty amazing um it's almost like forced meditation yeah um but yeah, other than that, I definitely don't have any like tips and tricks, unfortunately, no. I think. Um, I think that if you want to start your own business, like there's just, there's no like quick road to success. Like you've just got to put in the hard yards when you're young, I think, and like work your butt off. And that's just kind of what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess at the same time, you would be um, lucky that you've got Kerry Kerry, I guess, yeah. to still go up there because that would be quite an escape. Absolutely, yeah. Any weekend that I can go up there or when I go to design, um, it's definitely like such a solace. Yeah, beautiful. yeah. Um, okay, I have got a couple of quick fire questions for you now. Bye. So these are a bit random, I but love we just. It. Yes, okay. So, so first good. one is if you weren't designing, what would you be doing? Or if you weren't even running a business, what, what, where else would you be? What would you be doing? I would be a florist. I think about this a lot on yeah. dark days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I would be either shop. be a florist or. I would have like a doggy daycare or something like that. I'm with honey? With dogs, yeah, like lots of dogs, yeah, Fair. out out in Piha somewhere. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, favourite flavour of ice cream? Oh, good question. Um, either choc- like mint choc chip. I picked you for a mint choc yeah. chip. When I was writing that question, that's I thought so that's what funny. you would go for. Yeah, or like a coconut or a good old hokey pokey. That's pretty good. Yeah. There's this beautiful poet who, and I could be saying her name, but it's Rupi Kaur, I think is how they oh, say her amazing. name. Beautiful Indian poet. And she has this like amazing um, book and it's filled with poetry for people going through a breakup. And one of the, the like advice or tips says, yeah. buy mint chocolate chip ice cream because the mint will calm you and I the chocolates that. for your heart. And I just always thought that oh was Oh my God, cute. I love that. Oh, yeah, it's love so a mint chocolate chip. So good. Yeah, I'll join you on that one. Yeah. Um, okay, celebrity crush growing up and now. Oh, good. Like, did you have yeah. a you know, Jesse McCartney or someone like that? Oh I my feel gosh, like good question. It's a real thinker. The sustainability oh, you can just do off the cuff and these yeah. are the hard hitting ones. Oh, I definitely did, but I'm trying to think. Like, who was the heartthrob? Were Ooh. you a Disney Channel girl or not so much? I was, but, like, I, we weren't actually really allowed to watch TV that much. Oh, My yeah. parents were, like, pretty strict with that sort of stuff. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. If you don't have one from the past, do you have any... At the moment? Any now, any currents that you're like, God, he's just divine. 
oh, Liam's him, Liam Hemsworth, like, 100%. I'm like, Miley Cyrus, what are you doing? I'm, I'm freaking out because like, that is Really? Oh my god! When I was coming up with these questions, I was like, I wonder who she'll say. Like I the love ice cream, that. chop chip, and literally the Hemsworth. So weird. That is yes. He is just like such a cutie with his Aussie accent. I'm like, it's why would you leave him? I don't know what Miley Cyrus. I don't is know doing. what she was thinking. No, she's insane. But he's a cutie. Yeah. Um, what about dream holiday destination? Um. Good question. You can tell I obviously don't think about taking a holiday very often. <laughs> Um, I really want to go to India, actually. Like, I really want to go there. We have a lot of fabric supplies there, so that's definitely, like, on my list to do, hopefully, next year. Yeah. Would you take a a decent amount of time, or can you only really go for, like, one or two weeks? Probably only one or two weeks. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's just a place of, like, it's, yeah, it just looks so culturally rich, and I, like, the food is amazing, and the colour, and, yeah, I would love to go there. Beautiful spirit, those people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I may have asked you this one earlier, but do you have a muse? Is there anyone you sort of look to? Um, or you might have a number. Or you might have none. I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's definitely people. Like, I, um, who, off the top of my head? Um, Julia Roberts. I, like, love all of her movies. Just, like, obsessed with her. My mum and dad actually called me Maggie off because she was Maggie on Runaway Bride. Really? Yeah, so I I love her. Um, Isn't that sweet that they loved her and now you love her too? Yeah, I love her. Like, that laugh is just, like, so great. Beautiful smile, doesn't she? Yeah, so beautiful smile. Um, Who else? Yeah, that's all that springs to mind instantly. I guess I've really yeah. put you on the spot with these ones. No, I love it. It's so good. Um, this is a very random one, but you have such beautiful hair, and I have to know. Thanks. What is the shampoo, the best shampoo and conditioner that you oh, use? What's your hair care? It's so bad. I just use Eco shampoo and conditioner. Well, that is great for yeah, them. Yeah, I, like, literally, I, I used to always be, like, so- salon hair care girl, yep. and then... A while ago, I just thought, you know what? This is so much money. I'm just going to try and see if it makes any sort of a difference. Yeah. And it makes no difference at all. Sorry yeah. to sell on hair companies. <laughs> hey, well, it's not great, to me, great ad for Eco Store. Not to me anyway. Like, just, yeah. And it aligns with the brand, so that's great yeah. PR for you as well. Yeah, I was like, just, yeah, it's natural, you know, does the job. So, yeah. It's a go-to. Yeah. Um, what about shoes or handbags? I think I already know the answer to this based off your beautiful shoes you were wearing at the Fashion Week chat the last time we spoke. It was Manolo Blonick. Oh, yeah. At, oh, yeah. Manolo all the way. I yeah. will, like, literally be buried in Manolo. Yeah. yeah. So you're I, a shoe girl. I, like, already have them picked out for when I get married. Like, I know the wow. exact. Yeah, I'm obsessed with him. Oh, my God. Yeah, So you're definitely. basically Carrie Bradshaw ring Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why I love them so much because like I just adore her but um yeah I think that's why I struggle to do shoes because I'm like I don't know how I could do better shoes than Manolo mainly vintage Manolos I would have to say like I'm a bit of like a stalker on the real real for vintage Manolos the best sight isn't it yeah so good so much good stuff um do you have any long-term goal or does it evolve as time goes on you know for you for for perhaps you doesn't necessarily need to be for the brand. It's up to you how you want to interpret that question. This is quite ambiguous, but we really hope that even maybe shorter than five years' time that Maggie Marilyn won't be known as a clothing brand or a fashion brand, that um, the brand itself will kind of morph into something so much greater than um, just, you know, being, um, you know, put to one industry. 
um yeah I think ambitiously I really hope that Maggie Marilyn like leaves a lasting impact on the world and we hopefully do something to to change it for the better yeah yeah what do you think your life will look like in 15 years time like who are you going to be in 15 years time Wow, I love these questions. It's so good. I should like I do think, all the serious I, ones. I, and should, I was like, we have to I do some think fun about ones. This more. It was actually really nice the other day. Um, as a team, we've never done it before, and I really felt like we needed to. We did a, like, where a Maggie Marilyn roadmap for where we're going to be in five years time. Because like I've never written a business like a business plan at all. It's been like so. Um, like I'll just roll with it but we really decided that we needed to write a bit of a roadmap and that was really interesting like seeing where we want to get to and where we want the brand to be um, in five years time but in 15 years time wow I mean I hope we have Maggie Marilyn stores all over the world that's definitely a dream to really grow our direct to consumer and that direct line of communication with our customer Um, and yeah, I really hope that we're like really the leading brand in, in sustainability and innovation in that space and working and supporting other designers to, um, you know, be more more responsible and more sustainable. So, yeah, I think that's definitely the dream is to, um, yeah, is to, to, how do I say it? To sort of keep it growing, but growing in different areas and enabling yeah. people to also do what you were doing. or Yeah, absolutely. To hopefully inspire, I think, other brands, but hopefully um, inspire other industries. Like, really, it, it would be my dream for fashion to really be a leader in terms of sustainability and adopting new innovations to, um, yeah, that that's, excites me. What about on a personal level? Do you want to have kids one day or want to get married? Yeah, those things? Good. definitely want to get married. I have an amazing partner. He's pretty amazing. I don't don't know what I would do without him. Um, but I don't know about kids. Like I think I, I want to say yes, but I'm pretty ambitious, so I'm I'm trying to figure out how it will, how it will fit in. But I know some pretty incredible like mums that have careers, so it's yeah. definitely possible. Yeah. Um, just see where things go. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Maggie Marilyn is just really my life. So hopefully we'll still have, you know, um, an incredible team and a growing business and, yeah, be a household name, hopefully. And, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Thank you for answering those questions. Of course. Um, I just have two more and you're yeah. going to be surprised that I still, because we've sure. been talking for so long. But no, you're fine. previous to this recording, I put the word out to um, our listeners and just to see if anyone had any questions that they wanted to ask you, yeah. because I think it's important to get cool. them involved in the conversation as well. Um, so I've so just got good. a couple to share with you. Uh, so the first one is Maggie do you have any international brands that you've based your business model off and extending on this do you have any brands that you really admire or aim to be like hmm good questions um I definitely I haven't based my business model necessarily off another brand but there's definitely businesses that I admire I think I admire a lot of businesses and sort of like direct-to-consumer space I think um Tim Brown from Allbirds I think he's just absolutely incredible um and, and just like the loveliest human as well which is always so nice and um, I think Glossier is such an incredible company um Warby Parker Reformation I think all those brands what they've been able to achieve in such a short space of time and really showing how um they've kind of like democratized how you can sell to a customer which I really 
um, think is amazing. There's like no middleman. Um, and then what was the other question? Oh, that was sort of it. It was just whether yeah. you had any um, international brands you base your business model off or any brands that you really admire um, and aim to be like. But you sort of answered that. Yeah. There is another question from sure. another listener. Um, they wanted to ask if there was any reason you have chosen to keep your stockers in New Zealand quite select. They say that they love your clothes, um, but because the price point is slightly higher, they want to be able to try on pieces and make sure it fits right before they purchase um, yeah. purchase them and that some stores here only seem to stock certain pieces not the entire collection mm. so would you consider opening a retail store here or selling your clothes in more stores good question yeah it's such an interesting one wholesaling because obviously they've been such a pivotal part of our success really but the brand is only like only a small portion of the brand is ever housed in the stores that we're stocked in um, so we always try to you know, obviously, we we do the full buy of the full collection for our website so that customers can always buy everything that they'll see on Vogue Runway or at a presentation. Um, but, yeah, the goal is definitely to have our own store, like, in the near future. So, um, yeah, that's something we feel excited about. So stay tuned. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure they'll be very happy to yeah. hear that. Well, it's time for us to wrap up today. Um, I want to say a massive thank you thank for coming you. in and giving your time because I know oh, how busy you are. Um, it was so fun having a chat. So thank good. you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. It's, I've just been so impressed with the way that you conduct yourself and thank you know you. you really put a lot of thought into each question. You don't just ramble or anything. So that's um, amazing. And you can just thank tell you. you're taking taking the time. So I really we really appreciate that. Oh, of course. Um, and also to all of our loyal listeners who are you know tuning in to be a part of the conversation for sending in questions we are so appreciative of that and we are glad that you get to be a part of this too next week Murray has another splendid guest joining him so make sure you are tuned in for that if you are loving the podcast so far make sure you give us a rating it allows for others to find us and you can also subscribe uh, on your iTunes podcast or on Android to get a fresh episode in your inbox every week. That is it for today. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you, Maggie, once again. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was the latest from Fashion and Focus. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of our conversation. If you want more, make sure you subscribe to get a fresh episode in your inbox every week. Check out more of our episodes on your favourite podcast feed and get in touch with us at Fashion and Focus at showroom22.com.